Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America, where we are here every time to warn the nation from a biblical perspective and to help you respond in faith. And I'm really excited about our topic today. In other words, what are we going to do as Christians and church leaders, so forth, when we're confronted with the next pandemic? I hope there's never one, but what are we going to do? But before we jump into that and I introduce my guest, I need to bring up something a bit unrelated, and that is we've gotten another strike against us at YouTube. I would say we're talking about factual things that they apparently did not agree. They even refused our or denied our appeal. So anyway, we're asking everyone and you're part of everyone. So we're asking you to please go to Rumble and subscribe to Forerunners of America. We have put the link, the channel, Forerunners of America channel link in the description of this video. And we're asking you to go there and subscribe, uh, just like you did with YouTube. You need to create an account and uh, do that at Rumble. And then you can uh, subscribe to Forerunners of America at Rumble. We really don't know how much longer we're going to be allowed to be on YouTube. Now, if you want to listen to or see if you're on Rumble or at Spotify, if you want to look at the podcast that uh, was our last strike and what, what they took down, you can go to uh, the podcast 151 and the title is navigating greater darkness and so what in the world did we say well go to that podcast and find out i'm laughing a little bit not that this is funny i'm laughing a little bit because i'm so surprised that they would take that podcast um and uh, give us a strike we've said way more controversial stuff way more inflammatory stuff since that podcast which was actually put out a year and a half ago even though we just got this strike recently um so again we don't know how much longer we'll be on youtube i'll send out a a little bit of a of a concise video here this coming week that'll explain this slightly more anyway with that said we are looking at how we handled the pandemic in the church among us as Christians, how we did that two and a half years ago. Now, if you can believe that, it's already been two and a half years. And to help me unpack this is the senior pastor of Roseville Baptist Church in uh, the St. Paul, Minnesota area. And his name is Jackie Hill. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, really excited to have you. You know, it was actually my brother that connected the two of us. So I want to give a shout out to Steve. So this is awesome. And yeah. um, and Jackie, just before we jump into the meat of this, which I know everybody wants to get into quickly, but just so we understand you a little bit, just tell us, how did you get interested in the ministry, being a pastor and these kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, I was honestly kind of a little bit like a Jonah. I mean, I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, but I, I never wanted to be a pastor. Uh, and I really fought against that. And God sort of put a desire in my heart to reach young people. And so I started off doing youth ministry, uh, eventually surrendered to that and did youth ministry for 12 years. And when I was the youth pastor here at Roseville Baptist Church, the, um, the lead pastor was telling me he was thinking about retiring and uh, wanted me to replace him. And so that kind of freaked me out a little bit because I was used to working with young people and teenagers. And uh, honestly, adults kind of scared me a little bit. And, uh, after praying about it and talking about it with my wife and seeking more godly counsel, I believe uh, I was convinced that that's what God was calling me to. And so I've been the pastor here now for 10 years, uh, back in July, it's 10 years. So I sort of ran from it for years. And uh, even when I was a teenager, I felt God, I think, calling me, but I just wasn't ready. And uh, God grabbed a hold of me and I've, I'm not turned back. 
Well, I'm really glad you did obey that calling, Jackie. Uh, God bless you, especially in light of what's happened in the last two and a half years. And I'm guessing, like most all of us, you didn't see a pandemic coming that was going to close down or at least threaten to close down the church. No, not not at all. Caught us caught us by surprise completely. Right. And so you navigated a bit differently from a lot of the churches that I've uh, experienced or heard about or, or so forth. And so I want to jump into this. Now, this is going to be a bit of a thorny subject because we've got to look at some things in scripture. We've got to also look at some things historically and in this kind of stuff. But here's my heart, because we're always, as I said in the outset, we're warning the nation uh, from a biblical perspective in helping Christians to respond in faith. I believe that we have got to respond in faith differently than how we did two and a half years ago. And not to make this too controversial, but some of the things I observed probably were not even by faith that we were doing as Christians. And so, Jackie, you took a different approach. And uh, if you can go ahead and explain uh, uh, what you did, and then I want to get into the whys behind that, but just to give us kind of the, 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 the response that you had. Yeah, absolutely. So in March 2020, uh, Minnesota uh, came up with the whole shutdown everything. The governor had issued his um, proclamation or whatever you want to call it, um, his executive orders. And uh, most churches just went along with that. Um, the, as soon as it came across the wire, as soon as we, as soon as we heard about this, as, soon as we saw it on the news or on the internet, social media, whatever, I instantly was not a fan of the way that churches are responding. And so I prayed about it and I wanted to say, okay, biblically, how should we respond to this? And so I, I looked through a lot of different scripture. I mean, I looked at the Romans 13 passage. I looked at how the early church dealt with uh, difficulty and struggle in the face of government opposition of preaching the gospel. And then I wanted to examine historically, how has the church responded to things like pandemics? I went back and started reading about like the Black Death and things like that, and how the church responded to that. And we had a staff meeting uh, that same week that um, the mandates came out. And I talked with the staff about it and sort of shared my heart and where I landed. And I said, I don't think we should close the doors. I don't think we should um, keep people from coming to church. I think we need to make some changes as far as uh, things we do to maybe protect people a little bit. Uh, make, you know, so we, we didn't pass the offering plate and things like that. Um, but I said, we need, to, we need to meet. We need to come together. People need Jesus now more than ever. And if the church right. shuts the doors, what are we going to be left with? Oh, and okay. so, Okay, before yeah. you go on. Yeah. What we were left with, and even the church I was attending at the time, was Zoom. Yeah. Okay. And I heard all these people like excited about Zoom, like, wow, now we don't have to leave our houses. It's even more convenient. And and wow, we, we were, we're still fellowshipping with each other. We're still on this Zoom uh, call together. And uh, oh, this is great. Okay. So, Jackie, I know you've probably heard that numerous times. What was your response to we can just do this on Zoom? So we did have that question come up in our staff meeting even. And I explained how the word church means assembly um, in the Greek. And if, if we're not assembling, we're not being the church. Additionally, there's a big difference between connecting to someone over uh, media, seeing their face on a screen and actually spending time with each other uh, like we're commanded to do in Scripture. And I can't see a reason for us not to do it. Um, just because there's a threat of some sort of virus. And I said, we could do both. You know, we could we can do video, but we still need to keep the doors open so that people can come. 
Additionally, I explained that there might be people that are not a part of our church right now that might be seeking because of this entire pandemic, and they're not going to connect by Zoom. So we need to be here, be available, be open so that they can come. Okay, so very uh, practically, how did you talk about that this getting COVID, at least how it was projected on mainstream media, um, is that basically if you contract the virus, it's a death sentence and we should be terrified because if you get COVID, you are going to die. So you're telling people we're going to keep our church doors open. But how did you deal with that aspect of it? Well, honestly, we counted the cost. And I explained to our leaders that uh, out of all the ones there, I was probably the highest risk for dying from COVID. Um, I have a history of uh, lung issues. I've had pneumonia many times. I have asthma. So I have all these factors. I said, so I I fully understand that if I get it, there's a good chance I'm not going to do well with it. That being said, I think it's worth it. Um, Jesus told us to that the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. And I said, I'm willing to do that. I've talked to my wife about it and we're okay with it. And if, if that's what happens, that's what happens. But I don't see a reason for us as Christians to run away from threats uh, to save our own lives when God has called us to lay our lives on the line to share the gospel. And we, we all sort of agreed that that's kind of where we are. That's what God has called us to. And that being said, we weren't going to be foolish about it. Uh, we wanted to take some preventative measures. So and we put up, we put up hand sanitizer stations and uh, made masks available for people, although we never required that you had to wear a mask to come. Um, we just made it available. And we made other little changes, like we stopped having a coffee bar temporarily, things like that. But um, we made changes that we thought would, would moderately or somewhat keep people safe, but were willing to uh, experience great risk, if need be, for the sake of the gospel. Right. So what I experienced is uh, that, to me, often it seemed like Christians were um, uh, responding or reacting even, um, the same as non-Christians. And I didn't feel like we could even have part of the conversation is, well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, oh, death, where is your sting? But to me, that would be a very important thing I, I would have imagined before COVID, that this would be a very important passage to talk about, because we want to move with Christ and not just follow with Dr. Fauci is saying or other um, people on, on the media or the news or whatever. We want to make sure that we're doing what Christ is saying and leading us to do. And, um, you know, other passages that would explain. So I, I guess I've been a bit confused and maybe you can speak into this. How come even within the church, it was, ne we were never allowed. I, I think we self-censored actually, but we were never allowed to say what you just said, which is if I lay my life down for the sheep, that is the biblical model. Or if you're in the congregation and you happen to be, um, uh, get a, a severe case of COVID and die, well, then you're going to be with the Lord and we'll mm -hmm. rejoice with you that you you got there first. You're in a much, much, much better place. It was almost like all this kind of attitudes. Actually, let me put it this way. Everything connected to the gospel and our great hope in eternal life, it was not allowed. It was like this fear narrative drove the church. 
Um, so just, again, I know we have a number of pastors that listen to this, other church leaders, but it's good for us as just, you know, uh, not in church leadership Christians to hear this too. How do you respond? Like, how can we do this differently in the future? And why should we do it differently? Yeah, well, I guess first, I was quite surprised by the way churches responded, by the way most churches responded. We, we handled this the week uh, that the mandates came out and the COVID response by the government came out. And so we didn't have any idea how other churches were going to respond at that point in time. And then we got into this and we found out that we're pretty much the only church in the Twin Cities area that's still meeting you know, and doing this. It, it really, really shocked us. Um, we, we, we thought this would be the, the typical response from churches. So I think you hit the nail on the head. People were responding in fear uh, rather than faith. And we forgot what God has called us here to do in the first place. And I honestly think that that was the way that we were before COVID. It's just COVID exposed that. You know, as, as an American church, we're pretty soft as a general rule. We, we don't like persecution um, and, and not that we should you know, just love it, but we're supposed to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. That's what James tells us in James chapter one. So, but we, we don't, we don't deal with difficulty easily and we flee persecution anytime we have the opportunity or complain about it. That was a big aha moment for me watching this unfold. Cause I think we still have this lingering thing from a generation ago and earlier in American history that we're rugged individualistic Americans and we're not just going to be told what to do and be put down and stay in your house. You're not allowed to leave, which at the time I was experiencing that in Michigan. And I was like, wow, this is a version of totalitarianism. This is not um, what I would call um, even walking this out in a, in a somewhat balanced way. This was to me extreme, but it, it seemed like everybody went a, a, along with it. But in light of what you just said, uh, Jackie, uh, probably uh, the biggest reason for going down the the, the the path that, that most churches did was Romans 13. And it says that we should be subject to our governing authorities. So then what do you, what do you do with that? Yeah, we wrestled with that passage quite a bit. Um, and we landed in two places. Uh, one is in Acts 4 and in Acts 5, when you have the apostles being arrested for proclaiming the gospel and their governing authority told them to stop doing it. And yet they continued ultimately going as far as to say that we have to obey God rather than, than man. And so I think there's a biblical precedent for um, disobeying the governor authority if it's so that you can continue to proclaim the gospel. But we also, the, the second part of that was that uh, we believe in our country, we, our governing authority is our constitution, not, not the governor or even the president. Uh, they're, they're bound by that constitution. And our constitution declares that we have the right uh, to assemble as, as the church, that we're not supposed to have that right infringed. And we believe that the mandates were unjust and not in line with our actual governing authority, our constitution. So we, we had two, two uh, reasons there, which was one, our governing authority is not the governor. Um, it's the constitution. And then two, there's a biblical precedent to disobey the governing authorities when they're telling us to disobey God. Right. And it was interesting to see this walked out uh, in different locations. Um, I'm thinking of uh, California at the moment where three large churches, they based on the U.S. Constitution, um, they took this to court. And even in California, 
the, the judge ruled in their favor that no, you cannot be telling churches that they cannot meet. If they want to do that, even during a pandemic, that is a constitutional right. And so that's just very fascinating to me um, uh, how we kind of caught, I feel like we got caught up in a media narrative of fear rather than rather than actually saying, wait a second, what do, do the laws on the books already say? And also how do those laws interact with the scriptures? Um, because like you're saying, Jackie, although we didn't spend a lot of time on it, um, you're saying we really believe God wants his people to be together, not yeah. just on Zoom or on the phone or whatever, but actually to be together pray together, talk together. There's some dynamic that's completely different when you're actually together. Uh, you know, I think of Philippians 2, of being one in spirit, heart, and mind. It's just hard to do that from a remote location, watching a church service, an hour, hour and a half church service once a week on Zoom. It's that, like, that's not how this is going to happen. Now you're bringing in a response to Romans 13. And I do want to actually just emphasize one thing related to this is that that the government um, with Caesar and so forth back in the first century when the New Testament was written, um, it was very different from how our our, our framers created uh, America and what 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 it was supposed to be government serving the people, not the other way around. And um, it's a representative government. And that means that if they're not representing us, meaning our elected officials, if they're not representing us, meaning the people, then we should be able to talk to them and we should be able to help guide the ship. Now, if they're just telling us, you know, like uh, like they did, like where I was at the time in Michigan um, with our governor, it was absolutely, you know, you're locked down. It was some of the most extreme measures we had there in Michigan. It sounds like you're a bit similar in Minnesota. And the long and the short of it is, um, this is different than when there was Caesar as a dictator over an entire empire. We are a nation, like Lincoln said, it's government of the people, by the people, for the people. And that's the context in which we're allowed to make decisions. And you made what I believe to be the right decision. And, and, and I'm, I got to just throw in one other quick thing here. What I really like too, is then it's up to the people to decide, will they actually come in person to the church right. service? It's no longer the government. Now you could stay home. Nobody, you weren't making anybody or pressuring anybody to actually come to your church. But now they make the choice. So all of this is important, super important in this conversation. Yeah, and that's the key, too. We, we didn't want to guilt people into coming to church. Uh, we, we provided an opportunity for people to gather as the church to worship God, to grow in the word, to encourage one another and pray for one another. And initially, uh, our church, uh, probably only about 15 percent of our congregation uh, continued to come. And, and worship for about the first uh, four to six weeks. But then after that, we started growing and uh, we, we, we grew during the pandemic in such a way, like not just, uh, I think, in numbers, but we grew closer together. I think we grew in our faith and we saw God work in an awesome way. And our church is way more healthy now today, I think, because of how God used the pandemic um, in our lives. And we, we, we I think, credit um, God for that, obviously, and say, look, this this is a blessing. And I think a lot of churches missed out on the blessing of going through that suffering together and seeing God deliver them and, and grow them closer to him and each other as a result of it because they weren't meeting. Okay. So one of the reasons they weren't meeting was uh, simply because of the the uh, narrative that was out there. And it was such yeah. an overwhelming narrative. It seemed like any other voice was silenced to a degree. Did you guys... Um, 
start to like question the narrative. I mean, it's one thing we're going to keep our churches open based on the U.S. Constitution, based on what the Bible tells us to. We're going to do that. But I almost feel like there was this um, this other side of the coin. And the other side of the coin was, I don't think the narrative itself was accurate. And I started to look at the science and the data is what I'm saying, Jackie. And I started going, I think they're making policy decisions for uh, uh, each state and the whole country that are actually not based on science and data. So now all the more reason not to follow this. I, I'm just curious, did you ever go down the path of starting to analyze the, the, the science and the data? Yeah, I mean, right away. And my wife is a, a pediatric nurse. Uh, she's been uh, doing nursing for uh, 19 years. And so they had a whole, all the COVID protocols they were doing. And she thought a lot of them were just garbage based off of medical science. Uh, just it, the responses just didn't make sense. And she even talked about masking I mean, and different things. But um, yeah, so I definitely started questioning some of that. But where we still landed was, okay, if if this stuff is true and it is this much of a threat, we still need to proclaim the gospel and be there and gather as a church in face of the difficulty. And it may not even be as bad as what people are saying. And so then we would look really foolish and our faith would be really weak if we respond in a, in a fear uh, of things that weren't even true. And so mm -hmm. we just said either way, whether it is true or whether it's not true or the truth is somewhere in between, uh, we just got to keep doing what God has called us to. He doesn't put qualifications on it or uh, say, okay, well, unless there's a plague, uh, you, you preach the gospel. And so we, we, we ultimately decided it didn't, it didn't matter. Wow. Yeah, I think you're right on. And just to emphasize that, we see many people throughout the scriptures that were risking their lives for the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes um, it could have been in light of a, a pestilence. Um, we do actually see that in different uh, situations where uh, God then would stay his hand and not continue the plague. Um, but also we see that from uh, military threats throughout the Bible and how people risk their lives to follow God. And and by the way, maybe a little bit more akin to what you're describing here is definitely the book of Daniel, when um, yeah. Daniel's friends are are thrown into the fiery furnace because they're not willing to worship a human, a statue, and go along with the, let's just call it the government mainstream media narrative. They weren't allowed, they, they would not go along with it. And then... Um, uh, of course, God God protects them, but they're obviously in that situation because they didn't do what the government would say. Right. And and I wanted to even know historically how the church had responded to things like this, specifically like a pandemic or, or a plague. And no one thought that COVID was as bad as the Black Death or the bubonic plague. And so I thought, hey, let's go back and look and see how the church responded to that in the 1300s. And I ended up coming across a letter that Martin Luther wrote in 1527 when the Black Death resurfaced in Germany. And the letter was a response to other pastors who asked him, who wanted to know what Luther thought. And they were asking, what should we do? How should we respond? Should we flee? And so his letter was titled, uh, Should the Christian Flee the Threat of a Deadly Plague? And wow. I read, yeah, and I, didn't, I didn't know that existed. And so I read through that letter and it just overwhelmingly convinced me that we were doing the right thing because we were responding to this pandemic, much like Luther had advised those pastors to respond to an even greater threat. Uh, the Black when Death. you said we were responding, you mean Roseville Baptist Church, yeah, not the church yes. at large. No, yeah. Roseville Baptist Church. Yeah, I was 
I honestly was very disappointed. We, we got a lot of backlash from other churches, um, from our denomination, uh, from our uh, association, um, and then other pastor friends that I knew in other states and stuff had even called me and, and were trying to encourage me to shut the doors and saying that I wasn't being loving toward our church. And so I, we caught a lot of backlash because of what we did, but I was overwhelmingly convinced that this was the right choice um, based off the truth of God's word and even seeing um, how the church responded, like I said, to the Black Death. That was that was huge. Um, and if you got time, I want to read you one quote that Luther said, I just thought was profound. And I don't, yeah, so I don't see- please, please do. And for those that are getting the, the, uh, the video version from Rumble or YouTube, we'll put it up on, on the screen. Yeah. So he says, um, we have a plain command from Christ, our good shepherd, that we are to lay our life down for the sheep. The hireling sees the wolf coming and flees. For when people are dying, they most need the spiritual ministry, which strengthens and comforts them by word and sacrament and faith that overcomes death. Therefore, dear friends, let us not become so desperate as to desert our own, who we are duty bound to help and flee in such a cowardly way from the terror of the devil in this plague. Mm. Wow. I was like, what? Wow. Um, yeah, I, I can't do anything but stay and, and keep the doors open. That's that's this is this is what we're called to. And I, I do think that the church as a whole, not 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 our church here and the way we responded, but I, I do think the church as a whole, sadly, we we responded cowardly um, to to this pandemic. Just to punctuate that point, now this is going to be over uh, 1,200 years earlier from that letter from Luther, but very much in the same perspective. And uh, uh, sociologist scholar Rodney Stark really highlights this in his book, The Rise of Christianity. But it's very much in line with the letter you just read there from Martin Luther. And it's basically this, um, that back in the first few centuries after Christ's um, resurrection, uh, that there were pandemics that would come through and the wealthy and the powerful would leave because they had the money to do so and the means to live somewhere else. They would leave a small town, a city, whatever, and they just to simply protect themselves. Okay. But Christians and Stark highlights this Christians often stayed and not because they had to, in many cases, because they chose to stay and minister to the sick, even in the situation where knowing that they themselves may die. And some of the Christians did die while they're ministering to the sick. I mean, talk about bravery, courage, etc. It sounds, it's, it feels, it smells like what we see in the Bible, the great patriarchs and matriarchs in the Bible. And here, um, how we responded this uh, 2020 onward has been really just to lay over and not to think about this in, in that way. Yeah, and it, it's sad. And, and my hope and prayer is that as as a whole, the church has learned from this, and we're not going to do this again. Right. And and, and then to, I, I agree. That's why we're doing this podcast. And two, that when Luther's talking about they're ministering to the sick and dying, mm -hmm. and of course, that's to your own risk, right? Yeah. Um, but when you're doing that, um, it, I believe there should have been another response of faith, a practical faith by the church, and they should have been calling out their governors. And again, I lived in Michigan at the time, and Governor Whitmer put old sick people 
not in the hospital, but back into their assisted living situations, nursing homes and whatever, where they, uh, at least in the assisted living situations where you don't get the care that you need by medical professionals. Those are not medical professionals, the staff of those facilities. And we have, and then they were told that you cannot see. So even those that were put in the hospitals where they were getting the proper medical care, either situation, then they were not allowed to see family members or their pastor or whoever that would minister to them and pray with them because we had to social distance and have all these guidelines and restrictions and so forth. And what we're seeing here from Martin Luther, from the scriptures, from Rodney Stark's work is actually historically Christians would respond by faith for going into those very situations. So again, pastors need to coordinate, rise up and say to their government, this is not good and right that you're isolating uh, the the sick like they are. So, um, so anyway, there's a there's a lot of different aspects to responding in faith. Yeah, and that whole situation angered me and and it saddened me. We we've had a fairly robust nursing home ministry in our church. Um, we have a nursing home that joins our church parking lot, and then there's another one uh, about a mile and a half away that we've done ministry to for over 35 years. And they wouldn't let us come in. And obviously, they're not letting the family come in. And it took us about a year to get to where we could just have one visitor come. And so we weren't doing services, but we were visiting the residents. And it was heartbreaking because a good number of them had passed away. And a good number of them who had been coming to the services and and Bible studies and things um, had mentally declined to such an extent that they weren't even sure what was going on anymore. And I do think that isolation was a major contributing factor to both of those things. And it was really, it was really heartbreaking. Right. And I know people personally that were put in that situation in the hospitals, not allowed to see anybody. In fact, uh, another pastor friend of mine whose brother ended up dying, he actually believed that he was dying in the hospital. Again, not allowed to see anybody, of course, but was dying from the remdesivir that they were giving him. And he was calling, get me out of here. He actually ended up dying. Now, we don't know for sure, was it COVID or was it remdesivir? Or was it some other thing that was going on? But the point was he made a phone call and his belief was that the medication, the the, the protocol was uh, was killing him. Um, and, and, you know, I guess fundamentally, when I look at all kinds of facets of this whole um, discussion about how are we going to respond to the next pandemic, I just, um, I look at all of these facets and all of them seem to have a more worldly way to go about it or uh, what the quote unquote experts are telling us. And then those ways that are more of faith and following God in the moment. Yeah. And, and that's the key is, you know, who do we listen to? What voice are we listening to? Are we listening to the voice of God and what his word says? Or are we listening to um, the devil and his lies or his schemes? Or, um, you know, and I, I do think the devil was using fear in the media and the government's response to it to uh, cause Christians or tempt Christians to abandon uh, God's calling for our lives. And so we, we really need to make sure we're listening to the voice of God. Okay. So listening to the voice of God, you did it over the last two and a half years, I believe. And so I want to ask you, Jackie, um, just uh, any practical takeaways. Okay. Just to say the obvious, we've already talked about some practical takeaways that are by faith. We want people to 
to get what they need today so they can um, circle up with their church leadership, whoever, and get prepared for, for the next thing that comes. And to do that now when things are not so inflammatory, meaning, you know, the big debate about masks or lockdowns or even the vaccine, a lot of that stuff is sort of in the background now. It's not nearly as as much of a hot button um, to, and so forth. Let's, let's, let's get Let's get ourselves in a proper position now so we're not panicking or taken off guard, at least in the future. So just to say the obvious, you kept your church open. You've explained why in detail on this podcast. Everybody listening to this, we need to weigh these words from uh, Pastor Jackie Hill. And we need to say, are we going to leave the doors open during the next pandemic? And as Jackie just said a few minutes ago, even when there's a much higher death rate, that doesn't necessarily mean God's calling us to close down, like during the Black Death and the, the stuff that was highlighted uh, on that and Rodney Stark and so forth. So anyway, that would be a clear takeaway. Are we going to keep our church doors open? And is God leading us to do that? We need to decide that now. What Jackie, what other kinds of things would you suggest practically uh, for uh, church leadership to, to be considering now? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, it starts with counting the cost. Say, okay, this might happen again. And what are we willing to risk for it? And remembering our purpose moving forward, what has God called us to do? I think we forget that. A lot of times churches are just trying to uh, function and maintain the status quo. We forget what God has actually called us to is to, to minister to people and to share the gospel, make disciples. And I think another thing that we could do is begin preparing our people now, teaching them uh, what it really looks like to follow Christ in the face of difficulty and opposition, uh, coming up with uh, a plan for response. And there were there were lots of opportunities for us to minister to people. And I think looking for those opportunities as we see these, these different issues arise, we our food shelf was emptied multiple times in the first few months of the pandemic. We were continuing replenishing it because People had trouble getting to grocery stores and, and everything else. And so we were able to, to help people in that way. Um, so come up with practical ways that you can maybe meet needs that would provide an open door to share the gospel with those people as well. Because if 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 people are hurting and the need and the church doesn't step in to, to do it, what, what are they going to where are they going to find their hope? Where are they going to find a peace? Where are they going to find the help that they need? Now, the government's not God. And. It, people, if, if we're looking for salvation somewhere other than Jesus, we're going to be greatly disappointed. So we need to be prepared to meet those those practical needs, but most of all, meet the spiritual needs. and uh, That struggle, uh, those practical needs, those difficulties can be windows that God has given us to, to bring forth uh, the, the spiritual uh, solution that they really need. Wow, that is so awesome. And also, uh, I want to highlight that, uh, do we believe in the gospel only when there's not a challenge we're facing? Or do we believe in the gospel, which Christ's work saves us? Do we that do we believe that now and as well as in the moment of crisis, a pandemic or anything else? I'm very concerned that the American church, in light of how we responded to COVID, that actually many within the American church say they believe in the gospel, but in the at the end of the day, had no uh, comfort or peace from the very gospel they say they believe in. And my friends, we have got to settle the score now. Now, when the next shaking comes to America, of course, uh, we can 
we can address these things even further then and maybe even have a greater uh, receptivity to such a message then. But there's something really, really off here. How could we respond in just massive fear? And then um, I also want to say more on the practical level, a bit um, um, a different topic than what we've discussed so far. But I have a friend who went to a church and they said, well, we're closing our church down for the elderly in honor of the elderly. We're closing our church down. And immediately that smelled off to me. It smelled funny to me. And as I thought about that, it was more of a sense of um, if I was if I was in my 80s or 90s, would I want uh, the church to close its doors because of me? And the answer is no, I will self-quarantine at that age. I will do what I think I need to do. And oh, by the way, I might even show up at church if it was still open. So the long and the short of it is so many practical ways that we need to be thinking now and not being deceived in the moment. If we think it through now and, and have these discussions as church elder boards and just as Christians and Bible students and so forth, we can be so much more ready for the next thing. With that said, Jackie, you get the final word. So please uh, give us the last thing that's on, on your heart. Yeah, I think the last thing I just want to leave people with is I really do believe that for the church, the pandemic um, was a blessing in that it showed us where we really are. And that's important because if we know where we really are and what God has called us to, then we know where we need to be, where we need to get to. And I really see it as a blessing because now we know, okay, we need to really buckle down and work on discipleship. We need to teach our people how to follow Jesus in difficulty. And it really has exposed kind of the shortcomings of where we are as a church in my own life and the lives of, 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 of the church. And uh, that that's really a blessing and because difficulty at crisis reveals character. And that's what this has done. And so I think from here on out, we, we know where we are and where God has called us to. We know we're not there yet. And so we need to keep growing and keep surrendering and allowing God to use us and maybe, if that's the case, uh, Lord willing, the next pandemic, we'll be ready uh, to meet it with the faith that God has given us so that we are uh, sharing the gospel and making disciples as God gives us opportunity. And if need be, laying our lives down for the sheep, that's as right. you highlighted earlier. Awesome Amen. stuff, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank all of you for joining us on Insights. And remember, our days at YouTube are most likely numbered. So please go to Rumble right now. We've got our the link in the description and su subscribe. If you don't have an account, create an account at Rumble and subscribe. Thanks again. I look forward to being with you next time on Insights.